Hello and welcome. This is the Real Football Podcast. I'm your host, Lenny, aka Gilari. And today, on this episode, we're going to be talking about the top six. So it's top six talk today. And a couple of interesting results. Uh, we did have a big London derby going on. We had a cup final uh, between two Uniteds. Um, one, one doing better than the other, definitely showing their experience. A couple of interesting, not necessarily interesting, but sort of run-of-the-mill results at the top of the table. And one really, really poor result from my beloved, beloved. But let's get into that one first. Our last first going to be speaking about Liverpool versus Crystal Palace. Very disappointing game overall. Very meek, poor performance from the lads. I think Crystal Palace could have actually won that game. If, if you really look back at it, Mateta had a few very good opportunities. Uh, just Liverpool, I, I can't not focus on them and what they're doing, what they're not doing correctly. Just, just... Overall, a really, really poor performance. None of the intensity that was evident in the in the first couple of minutes up against Real Madrid. None of the ability to control the game necessarily uh, that that's been lacking pretty much all season, and that we can point directly to the midfield for that issue. It's been a, a, a very oh man, it, it's team is essentially a shell of themselves at this moment there's no real one place where we can now just pinpoint and be like okay the midfield is the problem oh it's because Fabinho isn't playing well it, it's because Van Dijk is out it's because we don't have any center backs like it was in 2021 in that season no right now it seems like everyone is just playing subpar every single player who has put in world-class performances season out, season in, season out over the past four or five years. They just all dropped a level, Salah included. I mean, I wrote down, I had a bullet points and I wrote down very poor performance all around. But then you throw in guys like Matip. Matip, oh my goodness, in his build-up play in the first half, not only was the entire team playing slow as fuck, as though they had not a care in the world, as though they had already won the title or something of that nature, as though they had done something where they had earned a sense of non-urgency whatsoever. They were lackadaisical, um, very sloppy in their build-up play, especially just playing through... Crystal Palace and Crystal Palace are not a, a pressing monstrous team they sat back quite a bit in the first bit in the first couple of minutes of the game Patrick Vieira was like guys these guys are shit so push up and you'll you'll create some opportunities you'll get them to make a mistake that happened time and time again Trent playing out from the back very poor he he looked very frustrated the entire game he did have that one free kick opportunity where if Henderson can get out of the way, he definitely scores that. He looked like it was the worst thing in the world. And that's very, very telling. Sometimes you can tell the story of what's happening with the team behind the scenes from the body language and the facial expressions of the players. Of course, we don't know what they're saying, but we can kind of gauge. And there was just pure frustration on Trent's face throughout the game, especially in that first half. I know you get... He did get taken off at some point, and I think Klopp saw that within him, but it's telling. It's very, very telling. Uh, it tells you that this team is not in a good place 
at all clearly i mean they got walloped by real madrid not even a week ago and just really couldn't get anything going up against crystal palace we did have a few opportunities uh salah did hit the post he hit the the crossbar at some point that was the only real good chance apart from the from the free kick that Trent had, which was a certain goal if Henderson gets out the way. But with those kinds of things, and in previous iterations of this Klopp team, the guys would just shrug it off. They'd shrug off an opportunity or a mischance or something like that, and they would know for a fact that, okay, we will create another opportunity. That's how much confidence they had in the team, in themselves. That's no longer the case, and that's a big, big problem. That's a fucking massive problem. Um... Because this team does have something to play for. They can still achieve something, even though that would be the bare minimum at the start of the season, just achieve top four. It's attainable. But if the guys, if they don't, can't rediscover this confidence, if they can't find a way to play without being uber lethargic, then it's a pipe dream at this point. Um. I mean, the list goes on and on in terms of the players who had poor games. Harvey Elliott came off the bench. Also, first things first, he's played literally every single game for Liverpool in some way, shape or form this season so far. Kudos to him for being fit and available for the most part. Um, he has had bright spots. He is, he's a 19-year-old kid. So at the end of the day, he's not going to, he's not someone who you can rest, rest the responsibility of results and performances on his shoulders. It's up to guys like Henderson, Fabinho, Thiago, even a Naby Keita, those sorts of players in that midfield area. They're the ones who should be providing the the performances and setting the standard. He came on, he had a poor game. Matip, like I said, he had a poor game in terms of on the ball he was... He looked like the giraffe, a shaky giraffe. Uh, we do lovingly call him the giraffe or a giraffe. I don't know why, but for some reason, just that lanky, languid style of his, sometimes graceful, sometimes a little bit clumsy, a lot more clumsy in the Palace game than graceful, for sure. Uh, Henderson, poor game. Fabinho came on, poor game. Jota, poor game. Uh, Salah, he did have a, an opportunity here or there. Overall, poor game. He's He goes out of games like nothing these days. Uh, the one bright spot, especially in the first 20, 25, 30 minutes, was Cody Gakpo. He was finding a lot of space behind Palace's midfield. That is in sort of a Firmino role because he, he was finding pockets of space at will at some point. The rest of the team, very poor in general. Uh, I know Jota still needs to come back up to speed, but how difficult must it be to come in to get back to your previous level in a team where everyone is off 25, 30, 40% of where they were last season, a couple months ago, uh, a year ago? two years ago so it's 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 ridiculous i did see uh i know one of the commentators mentioned that Dejata hasn't scored a goal since april against man city that's fucking wild that's ridiculous because this guy he was carrying the team in terms of goals i remember those two against arsenal at the emirates uh, i believe in the league cup semi-final he he was scoring goals very very frequently i think he got something like 20 goals last season in all competitions 
when players like that are completely falling off, I know he's been injured for a long time, him and Luis Diaz. I don't expect Luis Diaz to have a very big impact coming into the team considering everyone else's level is completely dropped off. Same story with Konate. He, he has, he's been injured quite a bit this season, and I know he has had injury issues at Leipzig before he came over. Uh, but he, he, he's been our best centre-back in the couple of games that he's played this season. It's just, it's a mess right now. And w- the most frustrating thing is, unlike Chelsea, where it's just a complete lost cause and you can completely check out Klopp has conditioned me to believe he came in and I was 100% a doubter and he was like okay sweet I'm going to turn you guys from doubters to believers I'm a believer right now and as a believer it hurts so much more when you see a team play super lethargic through it like they just cannot get anything right consistently they might have a moment of brilliance they might have a a bit of luck go our way kind of in the Newcastle game luck went our way because Nick Pope went out went down but I mean even in that game Newcastle were creating chances at the end of the day though it is three straight clean sheets in the Premier League so you need to take your positives where you can Cody Gakpo looks to be acclimatizing properly at this moment and that is something to cling on to i'm an optimistic person when it comes to my team thank you to jürgen klopp uh i think any calls for his head are ridiculous uh those are definitely coming from rival fans and they can fuck all the way off with any of those conversations i'm not having it uh i would still give him another terrible season and then it'll be like okay he's gotta go so give him the summer Let's just get to summer. If you guys can string something together, hopefully, because top four is not out of our clutches. We can catch Spurs. We can catch Newcastle. We can sneak our way into top four. It's not impossible. We can get those results. We've seen it. We saw it in 2021 in that season where we won like eight of our last 10 games to sneak into top four and ended up finishing third. We're not going to finish third this season. But it's still a possibility, so please give a fuck. And Trent, if if things aren't going your way, my guy, don't show the rest of the world. I don't need to know that you don't have faith in what's happening in the team right there because that that will make sure that I go back to a doubter, and I don't want to go back to that. (sighs) Yeah, Uh, when your team is not doing well, it's never fun, but... It is what it is. It's football turns and roundabouts. I've seen I've seen this team do amazing, amazing things. Ninety point seasons, close to a hundred point season. Amazing, amazing things. And at some points, either you stay at the top or you come down. And the team has come back down. I don't think it's as drastic as everyone will see. I think you change. You bring in a, about four signings you let go of about six players you get some new energy into the squad and things will turn around reasonably quickly Jurgen Klopp is a master at this give him the time and he will deliver we've seen it once he can do it again now on to something uh, which is also quite a negative on on my point a Manchester United versus Newcastle League Cup final big game at Wembley i 
I believe Newcastle started reasonably well. They they were playing well. They were creating half chances, good opportunities, good spaces. I feel like there was a little bit of hesitancy in the team throughout the entire game in terms of the final third. They don't know. For an example, so let's say Kieran Trippier. Kieran Trippier, you guys are behind in the game or you guys are opening the game up. And you need to make the right decisions in the right moments. You can't hesitate putting in the cross because then you need to get all the way back. They have a packed defense and we've seen they can defend reasonably well in that final third. So, and uh, along with that, Newcastle are a team that cannot score. So uh, I knew once Liverpool scored against them, like the game's over. When Darwin Nunes scored that in what the first 15 minutes game was done because they cannot find goals. Callum Wilson, he looked fantastic for a long time. Fantastic might be a big guess, but he, he looked like a really high quality, like as though he could play for a top six team, maybe come in as a, as a Harry Kane alternative when Harry Kane would be injured because Harry Kane always gets injured or uh, as, as a, just as a nine, he, he could be that sort of player, but he showed in that big moments, he was nowhere to be found in the new, in the league cup final. I think he was really, really poor. Alan sank Maximan, uh, it, my 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 thing with dribblers, and I've said this once. I'll say this probably a hundred million times. They never, they always take about three touches too many most of the time. That's the difference between a mid-table dribbler like a, in Alex like Maximan or a Wilfred Zaha and a Vinicius Junior. Vinicius Junior knows to get the ball out at the right time about 65-70% of the time. And that's the difference between a world-class dribbler versus someone who's, who's going to languish in the mid-table for the foreseeable future. You need to get the ball out at the right time. San Maximan... He almost never does, almost never does. And he'll score an amazing goal or he'll dribble past four or five players once every five games. And then people will be like, oh yeah, highlight reel, this is fucking amazing. But game in, game out, minute by minute, he needs to do, he needs to get the ball out of his feet way more often. Same story with Wilfred Zaha, same story with a lot of these dribblers where you think, okay, this guy could play for Real Madrid. This guy could play for Barca, he could play for Man City, whatever. But that's not the case. That's sort of what we see with Pep coaching that out of Jack Grealish. And then he becomes far more effective of a team player than to take the extra touch every single possession, go down with the foul. And that doesn't necessarily help the team. It doesn't help with the flow of the game, especially when a big team, you're playing with tempo. And the tempo is important where to break down teams. And that that's something that... Um, I might always have a gripe with St. Maximan. He had one really good opportunity that David De Gea saved. Uh, De Gea had a couple of good saves. He, he stopped across, I know in, in, this was later on in the game, to to uh, prevent a tap-in that would have gotten Newcastle back in the game. But before we go there, to open the scoring, Casemiro, excellent free kick. Um, Bruno Gimmerich gives away an unnecessary foul for no fucking reason. This is 
oh man, sometimes hard-headed players, when they play on the cusp, when they play on the edge, kind of like a Wayne Rooney, a Luis Suarez, my guy, you're going to, they, they fuck up from time to time. They do a little bit too much. They follow a player when they really, really shouldn't. United get the get the free kick. I believe it was Luke Shaw into Casemiro. And once he scores that, you just know it's game over. When you have, and this is this is one of those things that I didn't understand fully when I was a younger fan, where they would talk about experience, experience, experience. I get it now. And and if you never understood why experience is such an important thing in in sports in general. You see it in in team games, uh, in individual sports as well. Experience is such an important factor. So going into that, you have guys like, at this point, Martinez, uh, because he he won the World Cup with uh, with Argentina. Now he has that experience to know that okay, when you are ahead in the most crucial of crucial situations, World Cup quarterfinals, World Cup semifinals, World Cup finals, this is how you need to approach the game. Same story with Casemiro. He's won five Champions League. Same story with Rafael Varane. He's won the World Cup. He's won four Champions Leagues. You've got guys like that in the squad who will essentially coach the rest of the players who haven't won anything uh, at the highest level. To be like, okay, guys, we're ahead. This is how we approach the game. Even a guy like David Gea, David De Gea, he's won. He won the league title with United last time they won the league. He's won a couple of trophies since then as well for United. When you have guys like that in the team, you have that winning experience. You have that um, that know how. Whereas Newcastle, I don't think there's anyone in that team who has who has won anything at the highest level, and so. Once United went ahead, the game was essentially over. That mixed with Newcastle's inability to score goals, and we've seen it for weeks and weeks now. It's been probably since the turn of the year where they've really struggled to score goals, which has given everyone else, including Spurs and hopefully Liverpool, a an opportunity to get into top four because they just cannot score goals. So the second United went ahead with the winning experience in the team, with the with the the lack of goals from Newcastle, you just kind of knew it was game over. And not too long after that, Rashford gets his customary goal. Um, I, I can't, it just is what it is at that point. And then 2-0 at halftime, game is done. Newcastle did create a few op- opportunities, like I said, with De Gea's stopping a potential cross for a tap-in. But by and large, the game was done. United iced it and they won their first trophy in, if you were to round up about six years, they lost one, the Europa League in 2017 and given the nature of the of the League Cup finishing in end of February. So it's five years and some change or just below six years. But this is very bad news. This is very bad news for anyone who is not a United supporter Would you and given that they have now broken that that trophy drought, they're going to have that hunger. They're going to have that hunger that, hey, we've lifted this, we want to lift more. Don't be surprised if they were to make an FA Cup run. Man City's still in that competition, so that's going to be a tough one. I know Spurs are in it too, but Spurs don't win shit ever. So, hey. Um, 
Don't be surprised if they make a Europa League run. They could run into Arsenal there. They did knock out probably the best team overall. Barca looking at you who lost at the weekend. In the Europa League, they knocked them out very, very impressively as well, I might add. So don't be surprised if they were to make a deep run in the Europa League. Given that they probably will make a deep run in the Europa League and the FA Cup, I don't see them really challenging for the league. I think they'll be happy with their third or potentially even second place finish. Who knows how Arsenal and, and City, one of them could completely fall off. Fall off. And United could take second spot and then they will probably challenge for the league next season. It's a big, big problem. Ten Hag is doing very, very well. He's an extremely likable figure. I hate it. <laughs> Absolutely hate it. But well done to them. I mean, they're probably the best team in England overall in terms of their consistency. Because I think they've 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 they're still in three competitions they've won one they they're the most consistent team i believe in england right now uh and they've got the most informed player in the world right now in marcus rashford kid can't stop scoring goals i think he scored something like 17 in 19 games uh since the world cup ridiculous absolutely ridiculous i don't think he is a better player than say mbappe or even in Erling Haaland, those kinds of players. I don't think he's a better player, but he is most in form. Ridiculous, very bad news for everyone who is not a United supporter, but kudos to you guys. You guys lifted the Mickey Mouse trophy. I always think trophies are such an important factor when building successful teams. City won the League Cup four times in a row, and they would consistently win the league afterwards. And they would consistently... It becomes a formality, a, a part of the culture that, okay, we go deep into competitions, we get to finals, we win those finals. Real Madrid would never, ever turn their nose up at the League Cup. I know everyone likes to shit on them ever since Arsene Wenger, Wenger back in the day would play his third string, 16-year-old kids and so on and so forth, but League Cup matters. Watch United. It's going to be very, very scary what they do in the next year or two. Um including the rest of the season. It's going to be a problem. Hopefully not, but it's going to be a problem. Casemiro looking like one of the best on the planet. Oh, greatest fears are being realized at the moment. If they were to get a world-class nine, that's a problem. Moving away from them and onto the other top six teams, there was a big, big London derby. Spurs up against a, an atrocious Chelsea team. Um... Three big talking points in this game. Hakim Ziyech, he gets shown the red card. There's a little bit of a scuffle. It's a London derby. Tempers are flaring. He puts his hands a little bit too high towards the face of, I cannot remember who the player was. He gets shown a red card immediately. Boom. VAR walks it back. And on first glance, I was like, okay, I could see why he would give the full red card because it looks like he goes towards the chin. I saw a couple more angles and I was like, okay, I kind of understand why the VAR was like, hey, this is a touch harsh. Go take a look. Interesting, but I don't think it, it, it didn't uh, affect the result at all. Not at all. Chelsea are a mess. They can't. They can't find any consistency. And this is what happens when you try and overturn an entire squad in the middle of the season. No, you 
try and overturn an entire squad in the summer and then you try and do that again because you sacked a world-class manager in Thomas Tuchel. Yeah, they were... They, they weren't doing great last season, but he did get them top four um, amid absolute turmoil behind the scenes. Chaos FC, they they thrive in chaos. Peter Baelish, chaos is a ladder type shit. They, they stay doing this. This is what they do. This is Chelsea Football Club, Chaos FC. However, to add more chaos to Chaos FC um, as if they needed any more, they decide in January to sign about 55 players and start about seven of them in the starting 11 from there on out. Sure, there are fantastic, wonderful, wonderful players in there. Enzo Fernandez is one of them. Mudrik looks looks quality. Jao Felix as well. Badia Shield, I'm sure he'll come good. There's a lot of very, very good players in there that went straight into the team. And that's the middle of the season what the fuck is Graham Potter supposed to do? That is that is my question to anyone who wants him to go. What is he supposed to do? Because that situation, he hasn't even had a a preseason. That's the big thing. He hasn't had a preseason. He barely knows half the guys. He, I'm sure, I mean, <laughs> why would they buy about... I, I think they bought seven players in January or something like that, and they bought something like six or seven in in the summer. What do you expect with an entire new team? They're going to be shit. They're going to play disjointed, and they're going to lose games. It just is what it is. I don't think Carlo Ancelotti, I don't think Jurgen Klopp, I don't think Pep Guardiola could do anything with that situation because you're just dropping players into the squad it's a bloated squad you don't know what to do some of them won't be here next season some of them might who knows what's going on there chaos fc and they're getting what they should because they lost to spurs spurs enzo fernandez loses the ball no or was it enzo fernandez i believe it was enzo fernandez it loses the ball skip with an absolute peach uh from outside the box there one nil to the Spurs, uh, and then Harry Kane from close range uh, off of a corner flick a little bit later on. 2-0, Kane gets his customary goal in a London derby. We see him do it he- week in, week out, year in, year out. Dude's an absolute legend. I, I saw a stat that it's his ninth season with 20 goals or more in all competitions. Legend of the game. Absolute legend. This guy... He's been a goal-scoring sensation for nine seasons, basically. So, dude's a, a modern-day legend. He might. He very well could. I think he should leave Spurs. I really do think he should. And go go win some trophies somewhere because he's not going to win anything at Spurs. Because he's by far the best player to ever play the game to have never won a major trophy at this point. And he really, really deserves to to win something at this point because I mean hundreds and hundreds of goals he spurs his all-time top scorer outright come on get this guy a trophy Antonio Conte you muster some shit up and go go in the FA Cup or something and so Spurs march on they they're into the top four they've they have a couple games in hand on those uh, potentially chasing them. I think Newcastle, they have a couple games in hand, or if not one game in hand on Newcastle. So that race is going to continue. Who knows? Even a Brighton could 
could make top four this season because none of the none of the teams below third are really convincing at this point. And the Chelsea chaos is going to continue. I won't be surprised if Grand Potter goes because Chelsea are so used to sacking managers left, right, and center. I don't think that's the best approach. I really, really don't. I think give this guy the summer. If he's trash come next October, next November, or this coming November, this year, 2023 November, then get rid of him. But give him the summer to at least call down the squad, build the squad in his image because I, I don't think that you guys are going to get any real results. You, you might get that new manager bounce, but it's just going to continue just pure chaos. And I don't think that that's what Todd Body and the lads really want, but who knows what they want, uh, aside from wanting to spend 600 million in one year. Ridiculous. Onwards from Chaos FC and, and the Spurs lads, in terms of the title race, uh, both teams won. So Arsenal and City won. Uh, Arsenal won 1-0 at Leicester at the King Power Stadium. Gabriel Martinelli, very, very good finish. Um, I've been slating him the past couple of weeks. He hasn't been in form. He wasn't in form in the City game. I know he got pulled off. Trossard is also has been a very good signing for them so far. Um, I believe he started in the number nine role, gave Nketiah a rest. He probably needed a rest because he's been playing nonstop since the World Cup. And Arsenal get the job done. Uh, I know Leicester had a few opportunities. This is the thing. With with certain teams, At what really, really shows the difference at a certain level is it's not always the technique. Sure, the technique, but... The, at a certain point, you can hit, kick a ball in a certain way and everyone knows how to do that. But it's the decision-making. And a lot of the time, when you watch a close game between a top team and a not-top team, the not-top team will make the wrong decisions in the wrong time. So they'll cross when they should have shot. They'll pull it back when they should have went across the face of the goal. Those sorts of things, they'll pick the wrong pass in counter-attacking situations. We see it all the time. And Leicester were guilty of this. In this game, they were guilty of this uh, against United, if not last week or a few weeks ago. It, it just is what it is at that point. And without a deadly finisher like Jamie Vardy, and Jamie Vardy loves a game against Arsenal. He came on and he was a bit feisty. It, it just doesn't work out and they end up getting zero points nine times out of ten when you make a, the wrong decisions over and over and over again against a very well-drilled, well-coached team. From the Arsenal perspective, they keep their, dif their distance uh, against City as you were, essentially. That's kind of how a lot of these game weeks will go where they both win um, it's only really an event at the top of the table if one of the team, one of the teams drop points. At the moment, it, it stayed the same. On from the city perspective, they went to Bournemouth. There was only one outcome. Uh, they played after the Arsenal game. There was only one outcome with this one. Bournemouth got an absolute shellacking. They were down three 0 at halftime. Julian Alvarez scored. Erling Haaland scored. Phil Foden had a fantastic game. He's been out of the team quite a bit. He was playing on the right. He was an absolute menace. Uh, the goal that he scored, I know it was a very, very poor giveaway. You never play a, a you never play a square pass across your back line if you are being pressed. That's just 
that's a cardinal sin when it comes to playing out of, out of the back as a defender. You, you never want to do that. You're just asking for trouble. Full Foden lashes onto it. Boom, boom, boom. Amazing footwork. Puts the ball in the back of the net. 3-0 at halftime. Game over. What happens going forward? Because Arsenal soon are going to have to are going to have Europa League duties um, very soon. I believe not this week, but next week. I know they play they play at home this week against Leicester. No, no, no. Or they they have a game on Wednesday. I do know that for sure. I know Liverpool also play against Wolves on Wednesday. We'll see what happens in terms of how they manage Europa League because. My view, as as I've always stated it, you don't you don't prioritize anything over the other thing. Sure, sometimes you need to rotate. You have to rotate, and if you are going to play a stronger team, so if you're going to start Trossard as opposed to Bukayo Saka, you start Trossard in the Europa League or something of that nature. Or if you need to start in Ketia and give, let's say, for argument's sake, Gabriel Jesus is back and you need to rest Gabriel Jesus, he's still getting back into full fitness. You rest him for the Europa League game, sure. But you need to have 100% focus on every single game because, and we've seen with Arsenal's wobble before, before they got back to winning ways in these past two games. They dropped the ball so Arteta rotated heavily for the FA Cup game and that one loss one loss will roll into the next game and into the next game and then next thing you know they looked up they had lost three and four and they hadn't won in four games now City are, are breathing down their neck luckily for them City did drop points uh, against Forest in that game there and so City aren't the same machine that they that we've seen them be in the past couple of seasons but you have to focus, you have to have 100% focus on every single game. So even if it's a Europa League game, if it's an FA Cup game, doesn't matter. They have to have 100% focus. And that's something that Pep does do to an extent. I know earlier in the season, you can get away with it a little bit more. You can play a weaker team in the League Cup. You can sort of get away with that. But at this time of the season, you have to focus on every single game. Because a loss starts that momentum, just like a win gives you that confidence, gives you that that momentum. You continue snowballing into the end of the season. That's where you want to be. A loss will do the exact same thing. A loss will destroy that momentum. A loss at the wrong time where you, you take your eye off the ball in any situation at any time, you will be punished, especially at the top. We see it in the Champions League, season in, season out. One or two small mistakes and you're done. You slip up once and you're done. Shout out to the GOAT Stevie G. Unfortunately, that is the the perfect example for this uh, to summarize what I'm saying here. You slip up once and you're done. So you cannot take the your eye off the ball in any competition whatsoever. So if I'm Arteta, I'm going strong every single game for the rest of the season. Same mentality for every game. We go there and we go to win. And that way, I think they might win the title. If not... If they go easy in the Europa League, maybe they get embarrassed here or there. Maybe they draw a United team. They go to Old Trafford. They lose 3-1, 3-0, something like that. Those types of results will hang on you. 
they need to go strong. And that brings us to the end of this episode. I will be speaking about I've been I've been promising and promising and promising to give a Bundesliga update. I absolutely want to because the race is thinning into uh, the herd is thinning a little bit. We're seeing the front runners. We're seeing Bayern Munich do what Bayern Munich do. Sadio Mane is back, so that's going to be a problem for the rest of the Bundesliga. Dortmund are the most informed team since the start of the year, I believe. They're killing it in, in Bundesliga. They've won something like six in a row. So, And there's a big, big Bundesliga clash on on Friday. There's a massive Copa del Rey clash on Thursday. We'll be speaking about the midweek fixtures that are going to be taking place as well as a look forward to the weekend a little bit later on next episode and giving that Bundesliga update finally. As I said, end of the episode, please, uh, I thank you for your ears. Uh, I thank you for your time. Um, please have a fantastic day, uh, ladies and gentlemen, days and thems, whenever this does reach your ears. And take care.